Pauline, give me some of your tots. I ate his liver with some fava beans. A nice candy. Combo, pan fry, deep fry, stir fry. Yummy! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Cooking Show. I am your host, Bob. And this week, we're making Beef Wellington. Oh, boy. <laughs> Might as well knock this one out so that, you know, whenever you get close to the holidays and you want to spend a little bit of time to make something special, you can refer back to this. Um, let's see. At the top here in the show notes, we'll have the... Imager album, you know, the step-by-step -step photo record of how to do the thing. I don't believe we're going to have any special ingredients or special equipment for this one. It's all fairly standard ingredients and items and stuff like that. We're going to focus on making the components of the Wellington, the, the duck cells, prepping the tenderloin, getting it all wrapped up with the puff pastry and, and baked and stuff like that. I'm not making the puff pastry from scratch. Certainly doable, but you know, when you gotta pick your battles as far as time is concerned. <laughs> all right, so let's, okay, let's break this into a couple manageable parts. First, to make the duck cells. What is duck cells? This is a this is like a finely chopped mushroom, like tapenade type of thing. We're going to use mushrooms, a little bit of chicken stock, some onions, some thyme, a little butter. We're going to cook this down until it is like a, a gritty paste, kind of like a marmite sort of texture. And that is going to be the layer between our beef tenderloin and the puff pastry. All right, so for making the duck cells, we're gonna start off with between 10 ounces and a pound of, of mushrooms. A lot of this, the, the amount that you'll need for different things will depend on what format you're making your beef wellington. Are you making it as a whole tenderloin, you know, to be served family style, or are you breaking it into smaller pieces and, and doing these individual portions? That's sort of what I did. Didn't really think about it until they came out of the oven at the end and realized, wow, these are actually fairly enormous for a normal, normal human being's dinner entree but an attempt was made, all right? So, you know, a pound of white button mushrooms, a pound of portobellos, you could go with shiitake or oyster mushrooms. So, you know, we're getting into the fall here. So hen of the woods, sheep's head, any of those things will be fine. All right, we're gonna go with, I used one whole yellow onion, like a medium-sized yellow onion and diced that fairly, fairly fine, not, not super, Super small, but reasonably fine. I used four cloves of garlic, smashed and chopped. You know, a handful of fresh thyme. I mean, how do you measure thyme? You know, a number of sprigs, pinch the leaves off and use that. I used roughly two, two to three tablespoons of butter, a little bit of salt and pepper, and a half cup of chicken stock. So to get this started, now see a lot of these things, a lot of these components, you can do these in different orders. A lot of this is a lot of pre-prep and then just putting it all together at the end. So if you wanted to trim down and sear your tenderloin and then refrigerate that before you make the duck cells or you do it in the opposite direction or whatever, it doesn't matter. 
the opposite order, I mean. Okay, so for this, we're gonna chop or dice the mushrooms down into as small or as fine a texture as you can. I used a knife for it. It took a little like a little more time than if you used a food processor. But if you use the food processor, then you have a dirty food processor you need to deal with. So this one I used just the chef's knife and broke those down um, as, as finely as I could. I also, as I said, diced the yellow onion in its entirety and started that in actually the pan that I seared off the tenderloin in. So, you know, I did it in a different order than the way I'm laying it out here. But, you know, you can just use a little bit of olive oil if you want. But I had some pan dripping, so I rolled with that, okay? So we get the, the butter in the pan. We get the onions in there. We sweat the onions down until they are translucent. And then we add our mushrooms. And then keep that at a medium heat for, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes minutes until the mushrooms start to give up some of their liquid and you're going to create a, a decent amount of liquid that we're going to cook off from this because we're going to reduce this down to like I said a, a grainy textured sauce or tapenade type of thing. Once your mushrooms start to give up some of that liquid and they're simmering a bit add your chopped garlic and your thyme leaves and salt and pepper and the half cup of chicken stock turn it up to maybe medium high and let that simmer for a while like we're going to cook that down until we've produced a lot of liquid from the mushrooms and then cooked off most of that liquid and the the volume of the duck cells will reduce by I don't know, approximately half or so through the whole process once you have those cooked down remove them from heat you can put them in a bowl put them in the fridge you can cover the pan and set it aside whatever you want to do but we need to prep our beef tenderloin which you know depend like i said depending on sort of the format that you're doing if you're just doing one giant beef wellington that's fine you, you want to trim off the silver skin any connective tissue surface fat stuff like that and then brown it you know all sides in a hot heavy bottomed pan cast iron works fantastic for this get it all browned up and seared off roughly you know three minutes per side we don't really want to cook the the beef itself we just want to get some color and some texture on the outside of that tenderloin now what i did was i broke this down into three roughly equal segments which in retrospect was entirely too much for a normal person. I should have maybe knocked it down into six equal servings or something like that, but whatever. We did them smaller, seared them off, put them on a platter and into the fridge. They were salted and peppered while they were cooked off in the pan there. But like I said, I did that first and then used the same pan with the, uh, the olive oil that I seared the, the meat in and the, the pan drippings and stuff like that. So the the duck cells were prepared in the leavings from the uh, tenderloin preparation. So once you have your duck cells made and they're down to at least like room temperature, you've trimmed and seared your tenderloin. What we need to do is get them roughly prepped prior to wrapping them up in puff pastry. Now, if you're using store-bought puff pastry, which is the most expedient way to do it, you'll want to get that out to thaw the, in the morning. You know, you give it a couple hours because you want this to be pliable and workable. You don't want to be dealing with frozen or semi-frozen puff pastry whenever you're putting this all together. 
Okay. Traditionally, your beef Wellington will be, you know, the tenderloin itself, in addition to the duck cells and some Dijon mustard, will be wrapped in prosciutto. Now, this gets really, it's much easier if you use store-bought prosciutto because it can be all perfectly sliced and in giant sheets, which works great compared to, you know, pulling out a hunk of prosciutto that we have here and hand-cutting it to to wrap this in it. it. It took a little bit more time than if you just bought prosciutto from the store and had it nicely sliced and, and laid out, you know, in wax paper or snap sheets or whatever. Okay. But what we're going to do is lay some saran wrap down on the counter and create a bed of prosciutto. Now, if you're using store-bought, you'll be able to lay down a sheet of overlapping prosciutto that'll probably encircle or envelop the entire beef tenderloin once you have the duck cells in there and everything. If you're cutting it off of a hunk of prosciutto like I did, you need to overlap a lot. I, I did enough that it was it would cover half of it. And then once I wrapped it up, then I, I, I put another layer on the top of the of the tenderloin. But anyway, you lay down your prosciutto there and then spoon a layer of duck cells on top of the uh, on top of the ham. Taking your beef tenderloin from the refrigerator, you can smear the entire surface of that with Dijon mustard and then lay it directly on top of the duck cells which is directly on top of the prosciutto and then using the saran wrap you can wrap up the beef tenderloin in this jacket of Dijon mustard and duck cells and prosciutto and seal it up fairly tightly put that back in the fridge give it like a half hour so that it maintains that shape it kind of all sticks together creates sort of this little like football of layers and flavors in the center portion of your beef wellington okay so while you're resting that in the fridge so that it all kind of comes together you want to preheat your oven to 425 degrees the final bit of production here is that we need to wrap our prosciutto duck cell mustard tenderloin with puff pastry. So you unfold your puff pastry and you lay it out on a floured surface and then roll it out with a rolling pin to get to, you know, a quarter of an inch to an eighth of an inch thickness. I mean, you want it to be thinner than what the puff pastry is coming right out of the package, but you don't have to, you don't have to get it down to a paper thin thickness there. Just enough that you can, you, you definitely want to be able to use one sheet of puff pastry to get all the way around the portion of tenderloin that you're working with here. If you are doing the whole tenderloin, you can lay the puff pastry sheets together edge to edge and with a fork, you can kind of sew those together by, by mushing them together, press, pressing, pressing the edges together, overlapping the fork. What would you call it? Like a, a lamination? I don't know, but you can get it into one piece, but you know, doing it with the smaller segments of tenderloin is, you know, a lot easier and what you want to do is you want to fold up the long sides and overlap them on the what will become the bottom of the wellington right now it's the top because you're folding the the dough upwards overlapping it pressing it together you can use a little bit of egg wash you're gonna you're gonna egg wash these before they go into the oven to begin with but you can you can 
put a little bit of egg wash between the layers of the puff pastry so that it adheres together. Now on the ends, you can either fold them up and tuck them underneath and press them into the body of the Wellington, or as I did was sort of laminated those, those open ends with the fork to give it sort of like a individually wrapped candy bar appearance where you had this serrated edge on either side. But regardless, you get those all sealed up, all wrapped up in your puff pastry. You, you got to be gentle with them because, you you know, you've got a lot of uh, soft, raw ingredients. You know, the, the duck cells are cooked, but everything is, you know, room temperature or cooler and it's you know kind of kind of not flimsy but um delicate so once you get this all wrapped up you flip it over onto the baking sheet the cookie sheet or whatever that you're going to be baking these on and into the top of the individual wellingtons with a paring knife or a, a bread lame or something like that you know cut three diagonal slits that will allow steam to escape you know to maintain the shape of the final product once it is baked now baking time a lot of recipes are going to encourage you to bake for approximately 45 minutes that felt like it was too long to me you know 425 degrees 45 minutes even with this jacket of puff pastry i didn't think that we would be able to maintain a medium rare doneness for that duration of time at that temperature so i pulled these from the oven six minutes early you know at 39 minutes in retrospect i could have pulled it four to six minutes earlier than that you know basically 30 to 35 minutes at 425 would have been sufficient for medium rare the biggest the biggest thing one is that bake time dialing that in but then once you remove these from the oven <laughs> you want to let them rest longer than you think you need to you know however long you plan to rest this whether it's 15 minutes 20 minutes 25 minutes give it an extra five minutes. I, I let ours rest for 15 minutes and it was like, well, come on, we're all hungry. It's an hour beyond what I thought this was going to be whenever I got started earlier in the day. So yeah, let's just go for it. Realistically, 20 to 25 minutes would be better just to hold all those juices in and to finish the cooking process. That's the thing. If maybe when you pull it out at 40 to 45 minutes maybe at that moment it is a perfect you know 125 degree internal temperature medium rare but you have to let that sit and rest for a good 15 to 20 minutes beyond that in which case it is going to have a lot of follow through or overflow cooking and you know once you go too far you can't back it off you know ours turned out fine but probably a little bit closer to medium than medium rare but you know we're not super picky about it so that was that was okay um you know you can you can take an internal temperature reading using a probe thermometer if you don't want to puncture the crust, you can go in through one of those slits that you made prior to putting it into the oven. And, you know, because the resting period, because it is insulated in the dough and with the, the wet, I mean, even though you cook the duck cells down to re remove a lot of moisture, it is still a very humid, hot, wet environment inside of that pastry. So... You know, if you pulled it at, you know, 120 degree, 118 degree internal temperature and then gave it sufficient resting time, it should turn out 
a-okay. All right. You can definitely follow any number of recipes for construction and baking. And a lot of them have, oh, you know, I, I set it to, you know, 550 degrees and put it in for 15 minutes and then turn the oven off for three hours. Everybody has these methods for getting the perfectly cooked beef wellington, the perfectly cooked, you know, prime rib or turkey or whatever. And sometimes they seem there's no way that that can work, but it does for some people, depending on their oven, depending on their experience with it, whatever, you know, find a method that works for you. Now, pairings with this like obviously i'm focusing focusing on the beef wellington itself it's just a little bit finicky put everything together and you want it to be cooked well traditionally you know if you look at like gordon ramsay's you know preparation in, in his vegas restaurant or in different places you're usually going to pair this with some sort of vegetable mash now to me mashed potatoes are natural but sometimes you'll do like a pureed parsnip or or even something like along the lines of like a like a risotto you know, there's something like a smooth, absorbent, starchy texture. I went with a pretty luxurious red-skinned mashed potatoes, just simply, you know, boiled, quartered red-skinned potatoes in salt water, drained those off, and then mashed and mixed them fairly aggressively with a lot of heavy cream, butter, salt, and pepper, you know. Sometimes whenever you, you, you make mashed potatoes, you're making it for expediency's sake or just trying to make something that's reasonably healthy and delicious. Other times, you want to get right up until the saturation point of potato to see just how much heavy cream and butter can this hold. <laughs> and that's sort of the direction that I went in with the mashed potatoes for this dish, which was roughly a full pint of heavy cream, six ounces or you know, six tablespoons of butter, salt, and pepper, a little bit of a granulated garlic just for flavor. It was fantastic. And then finally, you know, if you want to do a, a sauce for this. A lot of times you'll you'll do a red wine reduction sauce and and lay your beef wellington in a for lack of a better word a puddle of it and that's sort of what I went for in this one because because I cooked the duck cells in the pan drippings of the tenderloin from searing that, I wasn't making a, a pan sauce necessarily. So we sort of cheated on that and used a little bit, you know, one and a half tablespoons of butter in lieu of beef pan drippings. I used one to one and a half cups of Merlot, you know, half teaspoon of whole peppercorns, some rosemary, some whole rosemary leaves, and a quarter cup of chicken stock simmered all those together to reduce it to get it a nice with that butter it's kind of like mounting a sauce the butter is going to give it a nice sheen and a nice bright clear silky smooth sort of syrupy uh, texture to the the final sauce what we did was we simmered it with those whole peppercorns and the the rosemary leaves until it had been reduced a little bit and that infused the whole sauce with those flavors and then we strained those out just through a, a wire sieve put those back into a, a pan kept it on like a low to medium low just to keep it viscous viscous yeah that's the word <laughs> viscosity just to keep it viscous and smooth and shiny and then we laid that down inside of the little swoop of potatoes and deposited our beef wellington on 
top of that. But hey, it's one of those things that you definitely you want to be able to have it in your quiver that it's something that you can make or something that you have made. If it's your your cup of tea, if you're really into it, I mean, it tastes great. It's it's buttery pastry, savory prosciutto and mushrooms and mustard and beef tenderloin. I mean, there's nothing in the bill of goods that isn't delicious and fantastic. And when it all comes together, it's, I'm not gonna say it's greater than some of its parts. It is is—it is a one-for-one one value trade. I mean, you have a lot of really good ingredients going in, and at the end, you have something that is the sum of those ingredients. It doesn't it doesn't punch above its weight class. It is just as good as it is. And it's it's, it's great. I mean, you, you make one of these, you make them a couple times, maybe you make it once a year for Christmas, or maybe you make it once in your life and then get it at a restaurant, you know, by a chef who has sort of focused his career <laughs> on making a good Wellington. They'll, they'll knock it out fantastic every time and they'll do all the work. They'll do all the, you know, the stitching, the dough together and trimming down the tenderloin doing all that that prep work you really appreciate it from a restaurant and guess what looking at the prices of beef wellington at some you know fairly decent restaurant it's not outrageously expensive compared to procuring all the ingredients yourself which is kind of a, a miracle of capitalism a miracle of economies of scale and whatever else but yeah give it a shot try it out just just to appreciate you know a pretty much overly contrived dish that seems to be having a little bit of a resurgence these days and it is it is really good but it's that's another food that is firmly anchored in the 1950s and 60s to me. Um, but, you know, it is charming to pull one of those golden brown beef-filled turtles out of the oven. <laughs> and it was, a, it was a great excuse to eat way too many mashed potatoes. So, yeah, go ahead and check out that photo album. Real simple ingredients, you know, fairly straightforward recipe on that. Yeah, knock one out. Give it a shot. You only live once, right? All right. Thanks a lot for listening. Talk to you guys later.